This is episode 64, all about eating a healthier diet for more energy, better overall health, and faster recovery. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Jason Fitzgerald, and today we're talking about a running side topic, your nutrition. After all, we can't run well and race fast if we're not fueling our body with good, nutritious food. Now, full disclosure, I am not a registered dietitian, nor do I play one on the internet. So I'm approaching this topic as a journalist based on the books that I've read, the people that I've talked to and interviewed, and all of the research I've done on this topic. Because over the last decade or so, I've been borderline obsessed with discovering the optimal diet for running performance. So I've read a lot of the best diet books, books like Racing Weight by Matt Fitzgerald, The Paleo Diet for Athletes by Loren Cordain and Joel Friel, The Omnivore's Dilemma, A Natural History of Four Meals by Michael Pollan, No Meat Athlete by Matt Frazier. These are all wonderful books that I've definitely recommend to you. But I've also interviewed registered dietitians, pro runners, best-selling diet authors, uh, folks like Matt Fitzgerald when he wrote The Endurance Diet, uh, pro marathoner Ariana Hilborn, elite obstacle course athlete Kimber Maddox, and of course, my registered dietitian friend Ann Mani, who also has a master's in public health. Now, I've also heard firsthand from elite runners, USA track and field instructors, and other top coaches about, you know, the best approaches for eating for endurance runners. And I've noticed an interesting commonality among all of these folks. So whether you're an athlete, a scientist, a dietitian, an, uh, an author, every one of these people who's concerned with performance note that meat is part of this performance diet. But of course, not one person anywhere thinks that we should be eating a meat-based diet. Just the notion of a meat-based diet is ridiculous. Uh, so whether you're a vegan or an om- omnivore like myself, we should all eat a plant-based diet, mainly consisting of fruits, vegetables, whole grains, beans, nuts, and seeds. That's the foundation, the base upon which we then add smaller portions of other foods. So as Michael Pollan once noted in his highly recommended book, In Defense of Food, an Eater's Manifesto, eat food, mostly plants, not too much. It's simple. It's effective. I love it. Now, I know how hard it is to eat more plants sometimes. Even for me, you know, I'll realize I haven't had a single plant until dinner, and that's just not a good way to go about your diet. So today I wanted to share some of my personal favorite strategies for eating more plants, because it's one of the easiest ways to overhaul your diet and improve the nutrition density of your diet. Now, this is going to be a short episode. I'm going to make it as practical and actionable as possible. And more than just listening to this, I hope that you actually follow through on one of these suggestions. I'd love to hear from you. So shoot me a note and let me know how it goes for you. All right, without further ado, let's see what works for me. These are my three plant-based diet tips. Number one, you can join a CSA. Now, if you're not sure what a CSA for is uh, stands for, They're great. Uh, CSA stands for Community Supported Agriculture, and it's a way for you to support a local farm. Uh, My family and I have been subscribing to a local CSA since about 2010, first in Maryland and now in Denver. And so 
you know, CSAs vary depending on where you live. So in Maryland, we got to choose our own vegetables at a local farm stand, and we had a lot of options. But here in Denver, they choose our weekly share for us. But either way, it's essentially a forcing function that makes us eat a lot more local and fresh fruit and vegetables than we normally would. Now, CSAs aren't right for everyone. So if you're on the fence, uh, here are a few things that I love about subscribing to a CSA share. So number one, you know, we get exposure to new fruits and vegetables that we might not have purchased at the grocery store by ourselves. Uh, the other thing I love about it is that, you know, it forces you to eat a lot more plant-based foods. You basically get a bag or a box full of fruits and vegetables, and unless you want to just throw it away, you have to eat it. You get fresh local food, you support a local farm and a small business, and as the seasons change, so does your food. And I love that. I think it introduces variety into your meal. I think it's great for uh, the local economy near where you live. So a lot of things to love about a CSA, but let's be honest, it's not all organic peaches and cream here. They can be somewhat expensive and you're not actually guaranteed a certain amount of food. What you're doing is essentially buying a share of a farm, kind of like a stock, but this kind of a stock has an edible dividend. So if the farm doesn't produce anything, then you're not going to get anything. But, you know, even with those drawbacks, I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, the CSA is, is that forcing function that automatically injects more plants into my diet. By the way, if you want to get our registered dietitian approved shopping list to get an idea of the types of food that we recommend, head on over to strengthrunning.com nutrition and you can get it right there. Now, besides the actual food, I love going to the pickup spot with my two daughters. I find it to be a special experience that all of us enjoy. They get to hear about the farm, where our food comes from, and see new fruits and vegetables. So I think it's a really great experience, not just for your diet, but for your family too. Now, if you're curious about joining your own CSA, you can actually look up if there are any available in your area. Go to localharvest.org and you can search by your city, or your zip code, and you can find all kinds of different options near you. All right, let's move on to plant-based diet tip number two, plant a garden. So last year I planted my first garden and I started back up again this year. I have no idea what I'm doing and I'm just thrilled that I haven't killed anything yet. But, you know, despite all that hard work, you know, it took me about 10 hours really to get the garden set up and everything planted. I realized that I love it. Just being outside, working with my hands, and playing around in the dirt is just so rewarding. And now my family has a local source of fresh vegetables, which you can't beat. Now, twice every week, I can expect to get a couple vegetables and a few bunches of greens. What I love about the garden is that it's yet another forcing function that forces me to eat a more plant-based diet than I normally would. And that's a good thing. You know, we talk a lot in Strength Running's nutrition series. You, again, that's at strengthrunning.com nutrition. A whole and real food diet is optimal for running performance and recovery. Plus, there's all kinds of other benefits too. I'm not sure if you knew this, but having and planting a garden improves your longevity. So last year, I read a book called Blue Zones, Nine Lessons for Living Longer from the People Who've Lived the Longest. It's a book by Dan Bittner. And it was the inspiration for my garden and really opened my eyes to the power of gardening for longevity. So, you know, if you're interested in 
living a long life, uh, I certainly am, planting a garden gives your longevity a boost by forcing you to eat more plants, so that's kind of the obvious one, but it also increases the amount of low-stress daily activity in your life. So you're not just sitting behind a computer or in front of a screen, you're actually down in the dirt working. It can reduce stress and it gives you more exposure to sunshine and healthy bacteria in dirt. So, I mean, look, at the end of the day, a garden improves your diet. It will therefore improve your running performance and recovery, and it's gonna help your overall longevity. So if you have the space, if you have the willingness, I definitely recommend planting a garden as yet another forcing function for improving your diet and thereby your running. All right, plant-based diet tip number three, make smoothies. So a good problem that results from planting a garden and subscribing to a CSA share is that you're gonna be drowning in produce. In our family, almost every day of the week, we have a salad before dinner, we have sauteed greens a couple times per week, and then there's you know soups, crock pot recipes, and grilled veggies on the weekends. And we usually still have an overabundance of plants just spilling out all over our kitchen table and the counter and in the refrigerator. So what we found is that we, if we make smoothies a few times per week, we can get rid of all the extra vegetables and fruit. Now, making a smoothie isn't always easy. Half the time, my smoothies come out horrible, but uh, I've found a couple ways to make smoothies great tasting every time. So I have never regretted investing in my very expensive Blendtec blender since I bought it about three years ago. I mean, the thing has an engine of a lawnmower and it can puree an avocado pit. So clearly a hell of a machine. Now, much like Matt Frazier outlined in our Healthy Lifestyle podcast, which was episode 16, I follow a rough formula for my smoothies. So it's two cups coconut milk, two cups frozen greens, about a cup of fruit, and about a cup of other vegetables. And that's what I use for about 80% of my smoothie recipes. That's kind of the base formula. And it always results in a smoothie that's great tasting and and this is just as important, I think, it has a good texture. So look, I know that washing and cutting fruit and vegetables and the necessary cleanup can be fairly time consuming, but I found a couple strategies that help with that. So first, blend those frozen greens and the coconut milk first. So when you blend in stages, rather than just throwing everything in there all at once, it's going to make it easier and improve the consistency, the texture, just make the smoothie less clumpy. When in doubt, use more fluid so the smoothie isn't too thick. The last thing you want is a smoothie that you can barely swallow. Now, if you don't like crunchy smoothies, avoid any fruit that comes with seeds. Things like raspberries or kiwi, for example. Uh, those seeds really aren't gonna get ground up in the smoothie. And if you don't want them in there, just skip those fruit in a smoothie. And then of course, you can use a good blender. I have a Blendtec. A Vitamix is another really great option for uh, making great smoothies, but also, um, you know, using a real high-quality blender is going to make it make the consistency better uh, and also improve the the whole cleanup process. And so, when I make a smoothie like this, I usually have about 30 to 40 ounces of smoothie depending on the fruits and vegetables that, that I choose. And then what I do is I pour all the leftovers in cups with resealable lids. And so what that does is it gives me two to three days of smoothies. So I can continue to drink smoothies when I'm not actually making them on the day. 
All right, guys, there we go. Three actionable, effective ways that you can improve your diet, eat more plants, and become a better runner by fueling more strategically. I've long believed that the sport of running and clean eating go hand in hand. Without fueling properly, without eating a nutrient-dense diet, you can't optimize your overall health, your recovery, your weight, training, and your race performances. But if you do focus on sound nutrition principles, including eating a lot of plants, you're going to be able to run those challenging workouts. You're going to be able to recover quicker and get a lot faster. Now, I want to thank our sponsor of the show, Inside Tracker. Another way that you can do this is by getting your blood tested. After all, blood doesn't lie. If you have some type of vitamin or mineral deficiency or a hormonal imbalance, that's going to be reflected in your blood results, and any problems are going to negatively impact your training. So last year, I did exactly this. I, I got an Inside Tracker Ultimate Test, and the process is pretty simple. You give some blood, and then after a couple of weeks, they send you a custom, personalized list of diet and lifestyle advice based on the results from your blood test. So I love the whole process. I found the entire service really fascinating, helpful for runners, and I think it's an excellent training tool for hard-charging runners concerned about performance. So if that's you, if you value performance and you want to make sure that all of your dietary bases are covered, I highly recommend it. Go to InsideTracker.com, and for listeners of the podcast, if you use code STRENGTHRUNNING, there's no space in there, it's one word, if you use code STRENGTHRUNNING at checkout, you're going to save 10% on any test they offer. So I think it's a great option uh, for you if you want to take the next step and actually see what any deficiencies or uh, values outside the normal range that you might have. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Have a great week. And as always, if you have any questions or needs, don't hesitate to get in touch with me. 